from our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to It's All Political, the Chronicle's politics podcast. Today's guest is former Los Angeles mayor and candidate for California governor Antonio Villaraigosa, who I met at the California Democratic Convention in Sacramento. And and listen for him just goofing on Gavin Newsom. You know, it's subtle and not so subtle at the same time. And he explains why he should be governor of California. I'm Joe Garfoli, and this is It's All Political. All right, welcome to the California Democratic Party Convention here in Sacramento. We are here with another candidate for governor, former mayor of uh, Los Angeles, former Speaker of the Assembly, Antonio Villaraigosa. Mr. Mayor, great to see you. A lot of formers, huh? A lot of (laughs) formers. Former, perhaps future, and perhaps future. Um, Thanks for taking a few minutes here. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think some people in the Bay Area probably don't know a lot about your background. And... and, uh, and it's it, the way you grew up. You had a very tough uh, childhood. Father alcoholic, uh, domestic violence, raised by your mom. How, tell us a little bit how that shaped you. Well, my mom was a. What? Uh, well, we start with my grandpa. Grandpa yeah. came here in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Came with a shirt on his back, worked in the fields, built a small business, had a thriving middle class life in the 1920s and 30s. Lost all his money during the Depression. This is all in the L.A. area. Yes, all in the L.A. area. Um, wife leaves him, uh, puts my mother in a foster, my mother and my aunt in a foster home, uh, but visit him on the weekend, had him yeah. in Catholic school. Uh, she gets married in the 40s, uh, uh, late, early 50s, uh, marries a man uh, who's an alcoholic and uh, terrorized her family, left... Uh, obviously domestic violence and left when we were five and she raised us pretty much on her own. She married. How many kids? Uh, four, three with him yeah. and then one with my stepdad. But uh, she raised us pretty much on her own. And, yeah. uh, I always tell people, yes, I grew up in a pretty ugly environment early on, but I was lucky. I had a great mom. and uh, She was a woman of unconditional love. Right. A woman who believed in education. And all four of us... Uh, got a college education because of her. And that is, you know, in the era where, you know, so many politicians are Ivy League and stuff like that, private schools, you you got kicked out of school in high school and you, and you dropped out. How did, how, tell us what, what brought you through that. I tell people I went to Catholic school for most of my life, uh-huh. uh, but it was a public school that got a, gave me a second chance. Yeah. I was kicked out of Catholic school. Uh, I went where, to public Where were you kicked out? Well, fighting and, uh-huh. you know, I was a problem child. Uh-huh. Uh, Growing up in the 1960s uh, and with the culture of that time, uh, so I, they threw me out because I deserved it. Yeah. And that's just a fact. I, I've always said you got to be accountable for your actions, and I was. Went to uh, high school, a high school that had uh, about a 75% dropout rate. Um, it was uh, one of the largest high schools west of the Mississippi. And... Um, they put me in shop classes and basic reading classes, and I dropped out. I went back, had a great mom and a great teacher, Herman Katz, who uh, saw a little talent. Uh, I ended up graduating with a 1.4 grade point average, uh, 
went to East L.A. College after a year, got enough units uh, to go to UCLA. But I went to UCLA on an affirmative action program. And I've said many times that uh, some people say I came in through the back door, but one thing's for sure, I got out the front. And it's that experience that's always made the issue of education so important to me, and I think so important to California's future. Mm -hmm. So, now, you, you've been mayor of the second largest city in the country. <laughs> I know you've where been, you're going. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going there yet. I, we, will get, we will get to that. But uh, what, why do you want this job? Why do you want to be governor? You've, you've been at the pinnacle of the state government. You've been nearly the pinnacle of the legislature. You've been a mayor. Why, well, why was, do you want this? Is, this is a hell of a job. Well, I was speaker this? of the assembly in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. All of the gay and lesbian civil rights legislation that came out in the 90s were under my speakership. Yeah. I actually authored the anti-discrimination bill on housing and employment uh, against the LGBT community uh, in the late 90s. The Dignity for All Students bill that Sheila Kuehl did. The first uh, domestic partnership registry with Migden. Um, I was a part of all of that. The author of the toughest assault weapons ban in the nation. Uh, the largest expansion of health care Healthy families, 750,000 kids got out there. Mm -hmm. And the largest school bond in U.S. history, and what was important about it, it was a $9 billion bond. What was important about it for the first time, kids in urban schools got uh, money from the state bond. Mm -hmm. Usually they had to get it from their own local bonds. Mm -hmm. And what we used to do before that was um, those state bonds were for new schools in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. We changed that. And, um, you know, as you know, uh, I was mayor of Los Angeles, and uh, I said, dream with me. Uh, we were going to make LA the cleanest, greenest big city in America. Um, when we left, eight years after, number one American city in reducing carbon emissions, uh, number five in the world, a 28% reduction in carbon emissions. Uh, we went from 3% renewables to 20% renewables, and we signed agreements to get completely off of coal by 2025. Um, I said we'd make L.A. Uh, one of the safest big cities in the country, and as you know, it was a very dangerous city back then. Uh, eight years afterwards, we increased our police force by 1,000 officers. Uh, nearly 50% drop in violent crime, a 45% drop in uh, homicides. And, and that downtown is kind of trending. It's, I never thought I'd say that, but well, I, I, it, I actually went on vacation there. And it's, it's kind of trendy. And it's got a great a restaurant trendy. scene. It's, it's, I'll tell you, I never thought I'd see that. I'm yeah. a foodie. Yeah. And, you know, we doubled the number of successful schools at 800 and above when we were measuring schools. Uh, graduation rate went from 44 to 72. And finally, uh, we I said we'd build the subway to the sea. We've got a light rail line to Santa Monica. Three light rail lines, one busway. Uh, and so... Uh, in my eight years. And so, why am I running? Yeah. Uh, because I want to do the same uh, in California. I think the next governor of this state has got to understand that uh, we got to restore the luster of the California dream. Uh, when you hear the politicians talk about uh, the California rebound, yeah. uh, it's true, it is rebound. But 30% of that rebound is in tech. Uh, a good portion of that rebound is on the coast. Go tell uh, Merced, Stockton, Fresno, Visalia, Bakersfield, that they're rebounding. Right. Go tell that to the Inland Empire. Uh, we, three of the top five cities with the highest poverty rate in the nation are in the Central Valley. Right. Um, San Bernardino's nine. 
LA's 14th. So we've got big challenges. So and you're, you're I seeing think this as a, as a two Californias thing, where, as you say, the, the rebound has been, you know, we are in the Bay Area, West LA, it's, it, there's, that's a different California. What are you going to do for the 20% of California kids who are living in poverty right now? How are you going to lift them up? Well, I think we got to lift them up by growing our economy and making sure their parents have good middle-class jobs. That means education, education, training, training. Now, we've got to lift up, you know, the, in the new economy, as you all know, in tech and biotech, uh, it's all predicated on intellectual capital. Right. If our kids aren't graduating from high school and going to college in the numbers that we need, they're not going to make it. Um, if they're not getting trained for the jobs of the 21st century, then they're not going to make it. As an example, you don't need a BS in engineering to be a coder right. or a BS uh, in biology to work in the health sciences, and yet we're not training people for those jobs. Mm -hmm. And the next governor is going to have to take on that challenge. The challenge of building infrastructure. I mentioned uh, what we did, half-penny sales tax, 40 you wrote 35, by the way. It's $40 billion generated over a 30-year period of time. Um, and now with Measure M, we're going to more than double the size of the rail system in a city known for its addiction to the single-passenger automobile. The next governor is going to have to invest in the infrastructure. And I'm focused on that, and i got a track record on it. All right, well, let's talk infrastructure. The biggest infrastructure project we're thinking about is the high-speed rail. It's looking in peril right now. How do you get, and, and there's no federal money coming. Now, you know, you've got a lot of federal money for L.A., but that, that you know, certainly, since we know who's in the White House now, there's not, no money coming. How do you finish the job? First of all, I don't expect him to be in the White House uh, very long. I think when you look Are at... Are you talking three years or three months? Well, it, <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. But if everything you read about what Donald Trump has done with respect to... Uh, the FBI director Comey right. is true, uh, then he's probably on the road to impeachment. But should he uh, uh, evade that and, and, and stay in the presidency, uh, we're going to do what I got the federal government to do. You said it. I got federal money. I, I wasn't satisfied with Measure R, $40 billion. I wanted to accelerate that 30 years of spending into 10 years. So uh, how, can you, how can you do that for high-speed rail? What, what, how are you going to get the money for high-speed well, rail? Well, let me, let me ex explain. we got to put a housing and transportation fund together uh, that leverages what cities and counties do. Uh, we got to do value engineering. And by the way, you didn't ask, but I do support high-speed rail, and I have since 1998. I'm not one of those individuals who supported it, then opposed it, and then supported it again. Are you I, thinking of anyone in specific? Well, I... You figure that one out. Uh, I've been for it since 1998. Let me tell you why. Now, almost 24 countries have high-speed rail uh, across the world. we got to get into the 20th century in the 21st. Right. And so what do we do? Yes, we got to value engineer it. But if we just look at high-speed rail in terms of what fair, how much it costs in the fare box recovery, we're not doing what we should be doing with respect to leveraging it for economic development. Why is high-speed rail so important? Because it connects uh, places of affordable housing in the Central Valley uh, with uh, good jobs that are in uh, the Bay Area. Those people can now live in the Central Valley 
uh, work in uh, the Bay Area and vice versa. You could put those um, companies uh, by Fresno State. Uh, and by Merced. Yeah. So we got to think out of the box. How, how long do you think that, that could take? Are we talking 30 years, 20 years to, 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 to complete the system, realistically? Uh, I'll just say this. Everybody made fun of me when I said, uh, dream with me. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll build a subway to the sea. That subway to the sea is, is on its way. Uh, that light rail line, those light rail lines were on their way. We did that in the middle of a recession. You know, we, uh, the, we've got to remember what uh, Pat Brown understood, uh, that it's time for this generation to step up, uh, to make the investments now uh, so that the next generation, our children, uh, can reap the benefits and the dividends. And uh, I'm not going to put a number on it, but I'm going to tell you I'm going to work like I did in L.A. Uh, to make it happen. So uh, you have a couple of rivals here for mayor, or for, I'm sorry, for governor, uh, Gavin Newsom, Chung, uh, Delaney Easton. You guys are all kind of in the same ballpark in the issues, though. Where do you differ from them on the issues, first of all? Then we'll go to stylistic reasons. I'm not sure. I mean, look, you said it. We're all Democrats. Um, we certainly uh, agree on a lot. I think if you ask us, I, I think where we differ uh, is uh, on the issue of, of a record. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, what I just shared with you is just a fact. My record is speaker. My record is mayor. Uh, and what I said, and maybe you uh, misinterpreted, I was mayor of the second largest city in the country. Well, just to, just to yeah. tell everybody what we're talking about. So the mayor a couple weeks ago said, I have the quote here, uh, the biggest difference between us, you and Newsom, and I'm certainly not speaking for Newsom, right? yeah. just be, uh, is that uh, I have a track record. I was, wasn't mayor of just any city. I was mayor of the second largest city uh, at the time during a recession and the worst economic times since the 1930s. Not just any city. That's kind of, that's, I yeah, said but, it's kind of a diss on San but, Francisco. No, no, but what I was saying, let, let me share with you. It wasn't a diss on San Francisco. I actually... I got a call uh, about, about, it, okay. about six uh, Democrat, state Democratic conventions uh, ago. I talked about San Francisco and what a great city it yeah. is. Um, and I'm not afraid, by the way, to say go Giants or go Warriors, except when they're playing the Dodgers yeah. uh, or the Rams, right? Yeah. I mean, you, know who's in a playoff, you know who's in a playoff game tonight? The Warriors. Where, <laughs> the are, the, Warriors. where are the Lakers? Where are the Lakers? Where are the Lakers, <laughs> Lakers? Where are the Lakers right now? Hey, I can't, I can't dispute that one. <laughs> but, so, you know, what I meant was, and what I was saying, I, I, I was the mayor during the, the, the toughest recession. Uh, one. Yeah. Two, in a city that, you know, 67% of L.A., uh, comes from Asia, Latin America, and Africa. 44% of LA is foreign born. Yes. You know, I have Western Pennsylvania and Ohio in the North Valley. So that's what I was saying. It's it's a tough <laughs> it's a city. And, and the mayor doesn't, we're not a city and county both, so we're working, you know, seamlessly like you do in San Francisco. That's what I was yes, speaking yeah, I about. And I'm glad you gave me the opportunity there we go, there to clear we go. it up. And we got a couple of good ba Dodger bashes in there. So, okay. Now, but when you left the mayor's, uh, when you left the, the mayorhood, it, uh, your approval rating was about 47% positive, 50, uh, I'm sorry, 40 negative, 47%. 
approval rating. Which no, is the, the LA Times. The yeah, LA Times. Look at the USA. Uh, I'm sorry, USC poll. The, the, the USC LA Times was 47 40, I think. No, it was 54 percent. Our yeah, polls were at 58, but it was. But it doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. You know, look. But it was tighter. I upset what, a lot of people. <laughs> why do you think the upset? Them? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we had the worst recession. I I did pension reform. I got uh, working with our unions, but I got them to go from six percent to eleven percent uh, in terms of contributing to their pensions. I got new employees instead of getting a hundred percent at fifty-five. Got seventy-five uh, percent uh, at sixty-five. I laid off a thousand employees more than anybody since the 1930s, and uh, well, I took up the teachers' union. Well, too. and I, uh, I also uh, current employees got a 40 days of furloughs for three years, so people weren't happy, uh, and I understood that. But I staved off a bankruptcy. If you remember, and I know you were following it back then, everybody was talking about LA going into a bankruptcy. And I said, not on my watch. And the state of California, too. But, you know, and not to mention that I made some mistakes. And I think uh, if, if you're... Pers- so your personal well, life. Personal, personal life. life no, well, and I, the way I handled uh, the breakup of my marriage, frankly, was um, let people down. And I've taken responsibility for that. So all of those things kind of yeah. militated toward a... I think it was, a, it was 54%, according to the LA Times. I We thought it was closer to 58 because okay. we had four different polls, but... Be that as it may, I didn't leave the most popular guy in town. Right. Speaking of pension reform, right now, statewide, $450 billion that is the difference between what our retirees are owed and what the state can pay at this point. What would you do about that? You've, you've had experience doing that at the state level. You, you know how state government works. What would you do? Would you ask the unions for, to, to come to the table again? Well, first of all, again... It's it's easy to say what you're going to do. Yeah. I think you got to look at what I did. Uh, I'm the only person in this state that took current employees, uh, almost double their contribution, current employees, that said to firefighters and police, new firefighters and police officers, that we were going to cap their retiree health and cap their, uh, uh, or raise what they had to pay into their uh, pension system. I, I got a track record of doing it. I did it with the unions, but there's no question that I had to push it. And I did because um, I believe that it's important for us uh, to make sure that the next generation of workers do have a retirement system that they can live on and live with dignity and respect. And so I got a track record of doing that uh, and in a really tough time. Governor Brown, right now his popularity is, is pretty high. And uh, you've been generally supportive of him. What do you think that? What do you think you should have done differently? Let me tell you what his strength is. His strength is. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good. Well, his, 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 his strength is is that he he's a grown up. Uh, he's balanced the budget. He said no. He took us from deficits to surpluses. You got to give him that. Um, in terms of what I would do differently, uh, look. I've made it absolutely clear uh, that I'm not running against him, so I'm not going to focus on that. But I think it's pretty clear. Uh, You look at what I did as mayor, and you get a a bit of a blueprint of what I'm going to do as governor. Uh, I'm going to be fiscally responsible. Uh, I think you could be uh, pro-business 
uh, and uh, pro-worker. Uh, I think you, I think the state has got to build infrastructure again. That we got to uh, create an economy that works for more of us. Um, and I think you'll see uh, a guy who understands you got to you got to have a balance. And um, you know, I, I ran a big city uh, without a lot of power. It's the, again, um, you know, we have a very powerful city council in in LA, and I did it. I think in the toughest times. And, uh, I'm ready to do it as governor and ready to take on the challenge before us. Uh, I don't know if you were just over at the... Uh, I just got here. Oh, you just got here. That's why I'm late. Okay, okay. The, <laughs> My uh, plane was 45 minutes late. Um, there was just a, the uh, Chairman Burton was giving his farewell address. Uh, Tom Perez, the, uh, the chair of the National Party, was there. And there was a demonstration. Folks who want single-payer health plan, they were booing the, the National uh, Chairman, uh, Tom Perez. Uh, and, and Burton at, at some level, uh, even though he's been for single-payer for years. Where are you on single-payer? I've heard you express some doubts on it, like how to pay for it. Where are you on single-payer well, right now, which is, as it moves through the legislature? Again, let's look at the track record. 1994, uh, I, I proposed to expand Medi-Cal to 200% above poverty for kids uh, right after the Clintons lost universal health care. Uh, that's a form of single-payer. I did that in 1994. I couldn't get a vote for it, even out of the Democrats. Uh, the second year, I did it again. Uh, I couldn't get uh, support for it. So the next year, I did Healthy Families. I mentioned that. 750,000 kids got health care. Uh, I believe health care is a right, and I support universal health care. But you, you talked about Donald Trump just a few minutes ago. They're proposing to cut 18 to $20 billion out of our health care. Would kill us in California. So what I've said is, let's backfill first. Let's protect against those cuts and make sure that we can keep uh, uh, the people who currently have health care and on, on health care. Mm -hmm. And then I said, let's put a funding plan together. I've never been philosophically against it. I am against demagoguery. You know, you, it, you can't do it overnight. Uh, it's a 120 to $200 million billion dollar price tag, and you need federal waivers to do it. And with this administration, you're not going to get it. So I'm, I'm ready to put a funding plan, uh, work with the smartest people to see how we could do that. But what I've said is, uh, anybody saying, uh, elect me, we're going to do that overnight, is, is selling the snake oil, and that's just a fact. Um, what the the split? And by the way, um, particularly uh, if you force uh, the San Francisco plan, uh, which was also mentioned, um, statewide the, forcing the uh, the San Francisco plan, plan is is based on on a city that doesn't have as high of an uninsured population as the rest of the state. Places like San Bernardino, the Central Valley, big part of LA, and it doesn't have the facilities, the access to medical facilities. Uh, the estimates for that plan have been anywhere from 80 to 100 billion dollars. So, uh, you know, what I've said is, let's let's come together, let's be thoughtful, let's work toward the notion that uh, uh, universal health care is a right, not a privilege. Uh, most Western industrialized countries have some form of single payer. Uh, let's look at how we can move in that direction, but let's backfill first. Let's be responsible uh, and thoughtful 
uh, and not give uh, voters uh, the illusion that that's going to happen overnight. What do you see, or what would you see your role as as governor here? Should uh, President Trump remain in office for the, his full term? How do you is he? What do you see your role as, as governor of California well, against him? Other than you know the bully pulpit stuff. Well, you know what I said. I'm not going to respond to every ignorant tweet that comes out of a man's mouth who, during his campaign, uh, political fact estimated that about 76 percent of the things that come out of his mouth are either false or a lie. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a waste of time. Uh, we will respond. Uh, we will protect our health care. We will, we will protect uh, our environmental uh, standards. We will protect our immigrants. Uh, we will stand up for the California way. But the best for, way for us to fight Trump is to double down on what we do here and do it better. When you, you, you started off about uh, what I've been talking about, these two Californias, it's not healthy for us to have the level of poverty that we do. You know, we got to educate more of our kids. we got to invest in them again. You know, I, you talked about my background. I grew up in one of those neighborhoods, and that's why I'm passionate about fighting for those kids, giving them a shot, right. making sure that the economy's working for more people. Look, I'm not a Davos Democrat. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I love uh, the Teslas. They're here in California, and they're creating jobs. Right. But you know what? I have respect for people that drive a Toyota and a pickup truck, too. I, I, I understand that our party has to be the party of working people, again, the party uh, that's focused on growing a middle class. And that's what I'm going to do, uh, work to do that. And I think that's the best way to fight Trump, right. you know, uh, and that's what I think most people want us to do. And, and let's talk raw politics here. If uh, <laughs> raw, raw politics, politics. Uh, with uh, are there enough of those voters? If, if let's say Newsom is appealing to the to the Davos uh, crowd and the uh, and the Tesla crowd and the coasts and such, and 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 you're you're appealing to the working class uh, Californians. I mean, the, of course, there'll be a little bit of both. Um, is there, are there enough voters there for you? And and Chung, I don't you know probably picking up some in between or whatever he's going to pick up. Is, are there enough voters for you? I think so. What's, what's the what's the map? Well, what's the uh, AV map? I'm not a pundit, so I'll let. Somebody I know you in. always say I'll, that. I want to go pundit. Put on the pundit hat. Come on. I'll, I'll let somebody else do the math. Look, I mean, anybody that thinks that uh, with Trump in the White House that there's not going to be a surge uh, in a vote from a community that's now 40 percent of the state and 54% of the kids in the public school just doesn't understand right. uh, the fear, uh, the anger, the palpable concern in that community about what they see coming out of Washington. I got a track record of fighting people like him my whole life. I stood up for immigrants uh, when I was 15 years old. Uh, I first got involved with the farm worker boycott. Uh, at 19, I was fighting for immigrants even though I couldn't speak a lick of Spanish. And my experience was not as an immigrant. Um, my father left when I was five, so I didn't have that experience. Yeah, he was he was an immigrant. Yes, he was. And my mom was obviously born here. Grandpa was an immigrant. So, you know, I, I can tell you this. Uh, the math uh, uh, that I've seen, uh, uh, that I've demonstrated uh, over the years, is that uh, I bring in a big portion of the people that... Uh, 
see me as a fighter who's represented them my whole life. And I cross over. And I cross over in big numbers. I couldn't have won uh, mayor uh, of L.A. if I hadn't crossed over. A large African-American vote. Uh, a large Asian-American vote. And uh, a large white vote. And so, um, you know, I'm going to knock on every door. I'm going to go to San Francisco and Oakland and, uh, you know, the Central Valley and the Inland Empire, Orange County, the Imperial County, the North Counties, and San Diego. All right. I'm going to knock on every door I can. I, this, uh, as I started asking this question earlier, how do you deal with this split in the Democratic Party here? It's not even the geographic split. It's not so much no. anymore. It's, now it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's almost a philosophical split. You know, the, the Bernie crowd and the Hillary crowd, of course, very close to the Clintons. How do you, how do you bring those folks together? I was talking to um, uh, Nina Turner, you know, the uh, state senator from Ohio, Bernie surrogate. And she says the Bernie people haven't been listened to. They don't from the. They haven't been uh, from the from the uh, from the election last time, uh, from the primary. How do you how do you connect? How do you how do you stitch together the Democratic Party? Well, I, I, I just said a few minutes ago. I think you got we got to stand up for the folks who drive a Toyota and a pickup truck. Uh, we got to be the party that talks about uh, the economy again, and, and particularly about. Uh, Addressing uh, an economy that, that's rigged against the little guy, uh, and we've got to. When we speak about environmental standards, and, and by the way, I said we were the number one American city reducing carbon emissions, number five in the world. We also became an epicenter for clean tech jobs. So you can't just talk about environmental standards. You got to focus on creating good green jobs so that people understand the connection. And I think I think. Uh, my social justice background. I mean, I started out with the farm workers at 15. I was a labor leader, a community organizer, not for two years. I was a community organizer for 25 years before I got elected. I took on the prison industrial complex in the 1990s. I was against the. I was president of the ACLU against the death penalty. I, you know, I was the author of the assault weapons ban in 1999 with Don Parada. So. Uh, None of this is newbie stuff for me. I've been doing this my whole life. And I think that background of, of somebody who's been uh, outside, uh, but inside as well, who's a progr unabashed progressive, but somebody who can bring people together to get things done, I think that's what people are looking for. What, you've been out of office about three or four years now. What did you learn being on the outside. I know you did your, your listening tour uh, uh, several 18 months, I think? Did an 18-month listening tour. What did you learn that you didn't know already? 51 days, 26 of them in the Central Valley. Um, I did go to the Bay Area as well multiple times. Uh, what did I learn? I learned that, um, you know, I learned from some of my mistakes. Uh, I learned that, uh, you know, that people... People want you uh, to fight for them. Uh, they want someone to stand up for them. Uh, I learned that. Uh, I learned a lot during that listening turn. I learned how little I knew uh, about California. And someone said that's very humble of you. And I said, well, don't worry. Uh, the other ones don't know much either. You know, the more you visit this state, the more you go to the many communities, realize it's, it's humbling how big it is. Uh, how, how different 
parts of the state are from one another, and yet uh, how much we have in common. I learned that too. I think you know. You asked about the math. I think there are a lot of really good people, yeah. uh, you know, in San Francisco and on the west side of L.A. that understand we're not going to thrive if we're not thriving together. Right. That we've got to do a lot more in the way of making investments in people that have been left behind. And I think real progressives uh, have to take stock of themselves and saying, are we really doing enough yeah. uh, in that regard? Two more quick math questions. You raised about three million bucks so far. Do you think? Are you confident you have enough to run a credible campaign? Yeah, I, I am. Remember, uh, you know, you jumped in a little bit later than everybody else. Well, uh, eight years later than one candidate. <laughs> I mean, he's been running for <laughs> one eight. candidate. <laughs> well, he, he transferred three point six from his lieutenant governor race. They've been raising since uh, about eight years ago. Uh, I raised uh, two point seven in forty five days, and then yep. the last six five months, I've been kind of knocking on doors for the first time because, yeah. you know, I hadn't been yeah. elected. Reintroduce yourself. Reintroduce myself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to be funded. Uh, I think you're going to see and, and we're going to have uh, a, a great deal of energy around this candidacy. Most important, since 1988, the San Francisco Giants have won three world championships <laughs> while the Dodgers have won none. When will they ever win another championship? Well, who knows? But I'll tell you, this this is gonna. First of all, I can I, I'll say it again. I can say, go Giants, go Warriors. This is, this is, this is, except when they play my team, and that's really that's qualified pandering. Well, but no, that's it's qual- not because you know some guys will say I'm for for all of them now. You're not going for a Hillary hat. When, you're, when you're, I was when I was mayor, everybody said I had to be for both SC and UCLA. Yeah. I said, hold it. You're no I'm a Bruin. No, yeah, no, I'm yeah. for UCLA. Except it changed a little bit when SC beat UCLA and they were playing against the world, I was with the SC. So that's how it's going to work with the Warriors, the A's, you know, uh, and everybody else. Okay, well, we've clarified (laughs) that. And the Giants. Okay. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our guest was former Los Angeles mayor and candidate for governor Antonio Villaraigosa. Read more local coverage of politics and subscribe to the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm Joe Garfoli, and remember, no matter who you are or what you're doing, it's all political. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz. Our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. And our producers are Peter Hartlaub, Brittany Schell, and Claire Varellis. It's all political's theme music. We have theme music. It's called Cattle Call by Randy Clark's Crow Song. The Chronicle's Josh Zucker, who is our podcast's musical director, is on base. If you like what you heard, good news, there's more. Listen to Chronicle podcasts and get bonus content at sfchronicle.com backslash podcasts, plural, or subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, or other streaming services. <laughs>